0: Hello, and welcome to Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit with your classy and sophisticated hosts, Alexandra Rowland, Freya Mask, and Jennifer Mace. On today's episode, we're discussing the movie A Knight's Tale, spoiler alert by Olivia Dade, and hashtag Boku Deku by Rage Crew Frock.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 78, Baby, Remember My Name. Fame!
2: Oh, I was going to do that, then I thought I wouldn't do that.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know what the reference is, so I'm missing it. Anyway, I'm Alex, and uh, I love other famous great Alexes, and the Alex that I have chosen uh, for our Celebrity of 2020 is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez.
2: I'm Freya, and my 2020 celebrity is Dolly Parton, the unexpected queen of the vaccine. (laughs)
0: And I'm Macy. And I am Taylor Swift for dropping two surprise
2: cottagecore albums. We love that for her. Indeed we do. (laughs) We are three redheaded fantasy authors.
1: And today we're somehow going to get through this. We're all kind of in a little bit of a mess. It's been a day for all of us. We're going to talk about celebrities and fame and people knowing who you are when you don't really know who they are and how that can be weird and fun. But before we get into all that... Fellow Serpents, what have we been reading?
2: I have finally picked up a book that I was meaning to get to since long before it actually came out, which is the new book by C.L. Polk, Mm. The Midnight Bargain. This is a lovely fantasy of manners story in a a secondary world that has a lot in common with Regency England, in which women who have magic can't use it after they're married because the system of magic is to do with making bargains with spirits, lesser spirits and greater spirits. Mm. and If you make a bargain with a spirit while you are pregnant, or if you are unprotected while you are pregnant, then it has very bad consequences for the spirit trying to inhabit your unborn child. And the main character has to choose between saving her family and her family's fortune and marrying the man that she loves and doing the magic that she wants to do. And so it's about being trapped between two bad choices. And it has a lot to do with the reproductive freedoms of women. And it's a very angry, but very magical and sparkling book with a lot of beautiful clothes. Really enjoyed that it. That makes
0: me think a little bit of Tasha Suri's stuff around marriage contracts and women's freedoms uh, mm. in Realm of Ash.
2: Yeah. Uh, I then read a Litvik book on Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous, by Ocean Vong, which is absolutely beautiful. So Ocean Vong is a poet. And you can tell by reading this book that it was written by a poet. It's absolutely (laughs) beautifully written. And it's, I'm assuming it is semi-autobiographical. It is a novel, uh, but it's written as a letter from a young man to his mother, who is a Vietnamese immigrant who doesn't read. Hmm. And so it covers a lot of family history and the experience of this young man growing up and as a queer Vietnamese American uh, son of immigrants it's very very difficult to read in parts but really mm. beautiful not very long definitely recommend that if you are into extremely beautiful words arranged in very nice <laughs> ways and then I had to take a right turn into sci-fi hijinks and I read one of the few Volkosigan books that remain unread by me I've been saving them all like delicious sweets <laughs> and I decided it was time to read another one so I read Cryoburn. Which is yet another. Miles Vorkosigan goes off to a new place, makes a lot of friends, makes even more enemies, has some hijinks, gets in trouble. And this one is set on a planet where people are frozen just before they die or frozen when they're uh, almost dead or mm. just because they want to be. And <laughs> it's, it's all about capitalism and how these giant companies control the votes of if they own your frozen body. Oh God then they have your vote. It's very, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. Anyway, delightful Miles for hijinks, as usual.
0: I'm not sure Miles makes friends so much as vassals.
2: Well, yeah, he basically just kind of collects people, and this is a particularly (laughs) egregious book for Miles collecting people.
0: That's that's a mood. That's a mood. Meanwhile, um, Macy has read some books uh, for once, uh, mostly though uh i am in the middle of a non-fiction book called eager which is all about beavers and how they engineered the watershed system of the whole north american continent and how um we killed them to make hats and that was bad actually Mm because did you know that like having lots of ponds on your river is how there are aquifers underground because the water weighs more and then it goes down deep into the earth and this is what california is drinking to turn into lettuce
1: Mm, and I it's just like that.
0: it's super cool it's such a cool book and it introduced me to the word morticulture mm. which is such a macy word um is, wait, it's so dead like
2: the like horticulture
0: it's like the things that grow in and around and on uh dead trees and big tree stumps mm, that is a um, very so like macy all concept. the nesting animals and the fungi it's super cool yeah um Meanwhile I've been reading lots of untamed fic including one that Alex told me to read which I promptly forgot to read yeah. and then delightedly showed up in chat saying Alex I found this amazing fic and Alex with much patience was like yes Macy I
1: told you I'm to the read one it. Who linked
0: it to you Just <laughs> uh live from New York by Vans it's which is so good a Saturday night live AU for some fucking reason yeah you wouldn't I... expect it to work but it Totally works. (laughs) But it it totally does. Uh, And the other one I'm reading is a long work in progress called The Murder of Crows by Serby Kirby, I'm guessing to pronounce that, um, where Weibushan survives and gathers a gaggle of apprentices and everything is hilarious. Um, Also, I've been playing about four hours of Hades a day, which is a choice that I'm making Please with t- my life please and please take my care of your hands. Yes. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Friends, I have
1: to confess something. I haven't fucking read or watched like anything. So last month I did double nano. I did 100,000 words in the month. And then <gasps> I just sort of kept going. And last Attics. night last night I looked at my word count for how much I had written so far in December. And it was like forty eight thousand words and I was like, whoops, I accidentally did a it's second. The mana. 19th it's the nineteenth. It's the nineteenth. Fucking December. Yes. Um I didn't write anything yesterday, so technically <laughs> I got that word count on the 17th of December. Well, Alex being
0: excommunicated, we're going to have to pause the podcast briefly while we dump Alex in Boston Bay. To be fair, I am
1: exhausted. I was like, why am I so fucking tired? Why does my brain just like not want to work or do anything? And it's like because I've been doing this.
0: Forget my demon night protagonist. You can go take a nap.
1: I would love to of go an ice take a like
0: for 20 years. Yeah,
1: so I'm going to take like a couple days of like not doing anything and try days, to like a couple read... days.
0: Alexandra.
1: <laughs> until my <laughs> brain gets better and I'm going to try valiantly to like read something that isn't fic because I was like when was the last time I read a book? I don't fucking know. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to get was through it.
2: it. <laughs> the only reason I'm reading as much as I usually am is because I am once again avoiding the thing I'm meant to be writing, which is my book. A mood <laughs> because I get home from work and my brain is just an absolute mess, and I can't make it produce anything else because work is terrible.
0: (laughs) Yeah. For doctors in
2: 2020. Uh It's more sort of doctoring in the week before Christmas is particularly terrible.
0: Oh, yeah, I imagine. But Freya, I hear you have some exciting news. Tell us some
2: exciting news, Freya. Indeed. So this will be exciting to a small selection of people, and that is the people who can access the pre-order link, which is mostly (laughs) people in the US. I'm sorry, the rest of the world. Uh, but yes, pre-orders are now open at Yay. some retailers for my book, A Marvellous Light. And if you look at my pinned tweet, you'll be able to see the link to get to those. I think the way publishing works, of course, publishing, you know, being a mystery box, is that <laughs> some retailers have the pre-orders open now. I think most of the e-book ones do, but the hardcover will not be available through some retailers until either 300 days or 270 days before publication depending on the retailer which Mm. is just a policy that they have so go and have a look if it is available at your retailer of choice please do pre-order it if not watch this space i'm pretty sure by the time we reveal the cover everything will be open
0: wasn't it available in
1: italy for some reason available in italy interesting yeah i'm not quite like i
2: i don't understand how (laughs) who knows why the publishing industry works the way it does (laughs) like we sold north american english rights and i think that english availability availability of english editions of things in some areas of amazon possibly uh fall under that but not commonwealth Mm. so it's certainly not available (laughs) on amazon.co.uk or the australian amazon
0: so shake your fist at english imperialism alex i'm sorry i will stop interrupting yeah you i was
1: just gonna ask freya i don't know have we have we heard about a marvelous light so far can you tell us a little bit of what we might expect from this good good book for anyone who hasn't been with
2: us for years and years yes <laughs> if you have been with us for years and years you are probably a little sick of hearing we talk about it but Never. a marvelous light is a queer historical fantasy set in edwardian england and i'm pretty happy with my dot points of alliteration that i came up with for my pitch tweet which was magicians murder and manor house parties
0: and murderous hedge mazes that's, yes that's true yes. it
2: also has lots of cool wallpaper very much
0: however so. <laughs> we should have a discussion about stomp stomp clap the movie. <laughs>
2: Apologies yes. to Alex for what that's going to do to the audio. <laughs>
1: stomp, stomp, clap. The movie. Stomp, stomp, clap. Otherwise known as A night's Tale. And this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I can't believe that we've never tenfold this before because it's so, so, so good. I've never watched it before. You've never watched it before? <gasps> did you like it?
0: I did. Stomp, 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 stomp clap. clap. It's a yeah. good
1: motif. It is a good, good <laughs> motif. So A night's Tale is kind of... I think it's supposed to be inspired by one of the tales from A Canterbury Tale, uh, but it's been like 10 years since I had my uh, Chaucer class in college, so don't quote me on that. Um, Geoffrey Chaucer is indeed in this movie for some reason.
0: (laughs) he's a trash bag yeah
1: he's a trash bag You do not herald.
0: need to see that much of his ass
1: He is a trash bag herald and i love him to pieces but he is not the main character the main character of a knight's tale is this boy called william who was born a peasant who saw the jousting and decided that was what he that was like his passion that's what he he wanted and everyone around him was like you're a peasant you can't go do that and his dad was like, "You, if you follow your dreams, you can do whatever you want. A man can change his stars.
2: <laughs> Which we know uh, is complete nonsense because social mobility in England was even worse yes, back then. But
1: I don't, this is not, this yeah. is not so much a movie about medieval England. This is like a fantasy no, movie. it's a fantasy. This is a fantasy, it's a fantasy movie.
0: movie. It's also like a, a, a like medieval tour of Europe yeah. movie. And somehow they crossed the English channel on a chain. We don't ask too many questions. And I'm like, baffled! That's not how ocean works! It's not how
1: ocean works, but we don't ask too Nothing many questions. Nothing this about
2: movie this. is actually how it works, Macy. Why,
1: why is there David Bowie music <laughs> yeah. at the, the dance why at the banquet? The we don't ask questions. Why is, why is any of the fashion? We don't ask questions about this movie. It's sort of like Jupiter Ascending, where you just sort of like sit back and you allow the movie to happen to you. And it's great and you have a good time. Uh, so over the, as you might expect, uh, William does indeed by chance and luck, fall into the opportunity to fake being a noble so that he can uh, participate in the jousting. Uh, And he meets a beautiful lady to do courtly love at. And he meets a nemesis to do nemesis things with. (laughs) And, you know, he grows in popularity and skill. And he collects a a cute little found family along the way. And they do jousting. And he turns out to be the best jouster of all time. Not quite like yeah. that but basically yeah
0: That's, it's a yeah, good yeah. good
1: movie
0: but i think i was i kept thinking about bend it like beckham when i was watching yeah a little bit because it's a movie about a sports boy yeah right um
2: who it's essentially a sports movie yeah it's, yeah. it's an underdog movie. sports movie
0: yeah 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 and so we picked this for a celebrity tentpole because this is one of the kind of the types of celebrity we wanted to talk about, which is one where the character doesn't necessarily want to be famous. They didn't go into this to be famous, but mm. it's sort of a side effect. Mm.
1: Yeah, like at the beginning of the film, they just want to eat. Like they just yeah. need to to win this tournament so that they have money to eat. Yeah, um, And if they don't, they will starve. And... Then he sort of goes like, "Oh, like that we we did that.
2: We could keep doing this. This could be a whole thing." And then Jeffrey Chaucer shows up and is like, "You know, what you need a social media manager."
0: Let's be honest, Jeffrey Chaucer does not show up. They stumble across naked Jeffrey Chaucer in mean, the road. I don't know why there was a naked Jeffrey Chaucer. I don't know why this was necessary. I suspect Chaucer insisted on it.
1: Well, who knows? Uh, you have to admit it was a very memorable character <laughs> introduction yeah, not, scene, though. Um, <laughs> Yes. God, Geoffrey Chaucer does such a good... And, like, Geoffrey Chaucer is also famous in this movie, kind of. Um, and he approaches fame from a completely different perspective, right? Because the first time that they meet him, he's like, Oh, <clears throat> who am I? Uh, Lilium Interspinus. Geoffrey Chaucer's the name, writing's the game. Maybe you've read my book, The Book of the Duchess. And, like, with this expectant look on his face, like, he expects these peasants <laughs> It is.
2: It is to- <laughs> quite amazing that he is... Both the best character in the movie and also the most insufferable kind of like straight white guy author. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, you haven't heard of me? Let me tell you about my. Book. <laughs> Let me tell you about my book. Like, you, like you just met him at a oh, cafe, God. and he's like, "Oh, I happen to have three copies on me."
1: God, I love him. <laughs> But his fame is very much more about, like, like presenting a version of himself to the world and, like, projecting this image, right? And Williams is much more about, like, getting there through actual talent and hard work.
0: He's Roger Federer. He's the solo sports boy who everyone kind of stares at and cheers for, and he keeps winning, and they still cheer for him somehow, despite the fact he keeps winning. Yeah. Mm.
2: And Chaucer yeah. basically points out that the way to use fame in this situation is to make it part of your cover. Because the mm. whole point of this movie is mm-hmm. that the danger of celebrity is when you are hiding a secret. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So William's big secret is that he is not actually nobility, that he has faked his papers, uh, and that he shouldn't actually be where he is. And Chaucer is saying, well, if you want to hide the truth about yourself, you need to make a larger, shinier, bigger truth for people to hold on to mm. and cheer.
1: hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm yeah yeah i mean and like chaucer is lying the whole time he's like and when he was in italy he like protected this virgin from the would-be ravishings <laughs> of her dreadful turkish uncle et cetera. Et cetera oh right god. like everything he's saying is is a lie in order to like build up the yes, image the so that people have something christian
0: virginity so you <laughs> protector of just like, god i love him leveraging mild like, xenophobia he spent
1: a year in silence
0: better to understand. i'm just quoting the movie now can you tell it's my favorite Oh, but if but, we're going to speak about celebrities hiding secrets
2: yes yes so our second tentpole is one that i think i mentioned briefly in a previous episode and i was very happy that i could make you to read this because i think this is one of my favorite romance novels of the year if not one of my favorite romance novels ever so our it was second tentpole it is was very spoiler good. alert by olivia dade and this is a romance novel about fandom and yeah, from yes. fandom. Olivia Dade is very clearly from fandom and is a fandom mm-hmm. person and comes at it for a place of love, respect, and joyous taking the piss when it yes. comes yep. to how fandom operates. And it's a love story between a fanfic writer and cosplayer by the name of April, who accidentally becomes semi-internet viral when she posts a picture of herself in cosplay as her favourite character. And the actor from the show which is a very fun created fantasy TV show uh, based on the Aeneid. And the main actor is also secretly a fanfic writer. And the two of them (laughs) have secretly (laughs) been friends and beta readers for each other for a long time under their fandom names. So it's got that lovely identity porn. You know each other under (laughs) another another identity aspect to it. But the actor uh, asks her out on Twitter not knowing, of course, that it is his BFF in the fandom world, uh, to prove a point about all the people who are being fatphobic and, you know, making fun of her for her cosplay efforts. And so they start dating in real life, and it goes from there. And it has a lot to do with fame, the fact that uh, Marcus, the actor, is dyslexic and has been under a lot of pressure from the show's creators to... Not speak out about things that he doesn't like about the show, but also to present Mm -hmm. himself in a certain way, and so he has this. Comes. How to say this? He has
0: a himbo persona.
2: Yes, he has a himbo persona because he's discovered that he can't really express himself in the ways that he wants it's both difficult for him because of his dyslexia and there's certain things he just can't say and so he finds it easier to come across as somebody who just oh no I don't really think big thoughts I just show up and hit things with the sword and yes. go where they want me to go because that oh, flex, flex, my <laughs> flex my biceps flex my biceps uh and so april is not quite sure what to think of this strange himbo (laughs) actor who then occasionally starts slipping during dates and proving that he has a brain and can think independent (laughs) thoughts and maybe is as pissed off as she is about how the characters are being handled in the show because it's game of thrones it's basically game of thrones yes yeah Yeah.
0: it's very funny this is it's the the
2: jamie brienne and game of thrones fandom but Painted slightly differently.
0: I I love this book so much. I had to actually put it down at 70% through... Because I was so anxious about the like disaster that was looming because I loved them both too yeah. much and didn't want either of them to hit yes. the next romance beat. And like, if we just leave it here, then maybe they'll be fine and no one will get hurt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it was the same for me. I was immediately invested in in April. It took me a little bit longer to warm up to Marcus, but April, I was like, I love you. You're the best person. Mm, she's just geologist she's a geologist yeah she's a geologist for her day job and writes all this amazing fanfic and does all this amazing cosplay and i'm like i want to be bffs with you um and she just has this like she has faced down the world which tells her that she should be ashamed of herself and she has through hard work decided fuck no i'm going to be proud of who i am and Mm -hmm. be the person that i am in public Uh, both physically and also in terms of like her hobbies she's going to be Mm -hmm. like open about what she cares about and I think that's so beautiful and also like what you were saying Freya about this being like it's kind of a love letter to fandom isn't it like it's a Mm -hmm. it's fan fan fiction of fandom and there (laughs) were there were a couple very fandom specific jokes that were made about um, like Aeneas's Angry Boner Week. And I was like that is exactly what a fandom would call a week-long fanfic initiative. Uh, perfectly perfectly on tone. Beautiful wonderful book. Wonderful And book. there's like
0: built-in mm. like AO3 headings and snippets of fanfics. Yes. And yes. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, this is, yes. this is great. Yeah.
2: And it comes at the idea of fame again from two different directions for the two yes. different characters. So obviously Marcus's story is really about being a famous figure and being a celebrity in the entertainment world whereas april's comes at it from a perspective of being someone who as alex said has come to terms with herself and is going to be unapologetically herself in her private Mm -hmm. life and with the people at her workplace and who are around her and then that gets suddenly tested when she is thrown more into the public eye through no real fault of her own like she, she posted the thing on twitter and then it's It just goes outside of the spheres that she expected Mm -hmm. it to and suddenly she has opened herself up unwittingly to for people to judge her Uh, and be mean to her and troll her and she has to hold on to her sense of yes i am actually proud of who i am in the face of that and
0: i think it gets a little bit into the intrusiveness of media and of celebrity Mm. culture in a way that we see a lot in royalty au's right i'm thinking of drastically redefining protocol Um, and others um, where she didn't ask to be famous she didn't put herself in any position it's not even as much as William did becoming a knight like you might reasonably think that if you became a sports human and did really well at sportsing you might become famous she just literally Hmm. posted a picture of herself in cosplay to a twitter thread of people posting themselves in cosplay she didn't ask for it and then as her relationship starts to develop with this celebrity it's this constant kind of, do I think this was worth it? Do I think exposing myself to this, is he worth it? And right. she decides yes, but it is right. a question.
1: And it's, it's a very consciously mm. asked question. Like, mm-hmm. do I want to deal with paparazzi? Associating with this person will open me up even more. Am I okay with that? Do I consent to that? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So very, very deep thoughts mm. about, about fame and what it costs to be in the public eye like that. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, and one last thing I wanted to mention before we move on to the last 10th poll is that I really liked how this looked at what we expect from celebrities Mm. and obviously the fact that Marcus expected that if anybody knew he Mm. had dyslexia that it would be seen as a negative he didn't come at it from a point of this is some way that I can be more relatable or this is a way that I can be visible in having this particular disability he was coming at it from a place of fear understandable given the people he's surrounded with and the particular situation he's in but I I like seeing that in narratives about celebrity is how much of yourself do you put out there and do you owe people your foibles and your um, the parts of yourself that you're less proud of do you put them out there so that people like oh they're human too or are celebrities expected to be superhuman and perfect and not show any weakness and when do you show it and when is that strategic and when is it something that's accidental well
0: and I think that particularly when it comes to um, learning disabilities and other neurodiversities um, there's a real worry that people will see that first and will think of you very differently Um, we'll look at you and say oh I couldn't give him a script to read like how could he read for that you know Um, and there's the worry about Mm. being discriminated against whereas if you can conceal it that can't happen But speaking about things that we can conceal... Macy, please, okay, so Macy, Macy, you
1: have been obsessed with My Hero Academia for a hot minute, and I don't know anything about it, and so sure. this, this fic was a little bit confusing for me to read. Please explain yeah. everything.
0: Well, I think I did suggest that you two might want to check the Wikipedia article, but, um... I
2: didn't remember to do that. <laughs> I, no, I was just like, I was like, no context to I, I was just reading straight through, being like, I'm sure it will all no, become this, clear. Yeah,
0: we so <laughs> did require you to at least know who the characters were, so this is going to be a fun one darling listeners so the fic is (laughs) bakudeku hashtag bakudeku by rage proof frog and this is from a fandom my hero academia boku no hero academia um, in which the main characters are kids at hero school and this fic takes place after they've graduated they've become professional heroes in a world where people have these magical powers called quirks and a valid career path that you can take school classes for is to become a professional hero who are kind of these crossover like uh law enforcement but more celebrity Mm. humans they're superheroes Mm. right they're marvel dc superheroes but they have agents and agencies and endorsements and conventions and it's very funny to me but basically there are three main characters in this fic there is midoriya uzuku who is the main character of the anime There is Bakugo and there is Todoroki. Um, Midoriya and Bakugo were childhood friends and Bakugo bullied Midoriya. Um, And in this fic, Midoriya is dating and devoted to Todoroki. And Todoroki is a troll. Yes. Who has decided that it is fucking hilarious that the entirety of the celebrity engine has decided that his boyfriend is dating Bakugo. And he's right. It is hilarious. It is, it is hilarious. Because Bakugo is a very angry human being who has the power of explosions. Yeah. And keeps exploding things every time somebody assumes that he is dating Midoriya. Um, and so this was kind of a really funny look at uh, the ways that famous people can play with the media and with their audiences uh, and use it to bully their loved ones.
2: <laughs> but it's also another one that's about the idea of fandom yes. around celebrity and that people are looking for yep. narratives and they will hook onto things like oh they were childhood <gasps> friends or oh did you see the way they looked at each other <laughs> after they blew up that something they're definitely dating. You know, and it comes from that that place of fandom love of going oh you know here's some people who are actually characters rather than we're not thinking about them as real people let's ship them and then let's look for evidence which is the whole RPF <laughs> yeah. <left> question and
1: <sighs> considering that it's based on a Japanese anime it probably has some things to say about the Japanese idol industry because they have a very different approach to celebrity mm. like they kind of build mm. celebrities in little laboratories <laughs> and, um and like it's it's a little bit more well okay wherever you go wherever you go celebrity is a constructed thing right Mm -hmm. and i think in other places it's a little bit more concealed like we don't we don't talk about that whereas in like the japanese idol industry it's just a little bit more honest about the fact that this is like a constructed thing like we're making this person famous because we're giving them, like, a marketing budget and, and so forth. I don't know. I would have to watch more of the the anime, or any of the anime, really, to, like, <laughs> to see.
2: Yeah. Well, I like – this was a good example, I think, of how superhero mm-hmm. stories are, on some level, right. often celebrity yeah. stories. Or they become them at a certain point because, yeah, exactly as you said, you've got someone who's part law enforcement but not really. Right. And it's more about being a public figure and a recognizable figure. Like, you're only – useful as a superhero if people can see your costume and go right this is this person this is what they do this is what they stand for and you have that idea of who you are as a superhero but key to the superhero celebrity is having the hidden identity the secret self sort
0: of i mean i think it depends um some of them do and some of them don't like in this verse they they don't all have it hidden Because they're, you know, they're publicly associated with their agency and so forth. But this actually made me think of... So there's another book that you got me to start reading, Freya, which is Heroin Complex by Sarah Kuhn. Yes. Yes. Uh, In which the, I guess, secondary main character um, kind of saw an opportunity with a dimension breach in San Francisco to become a superheroine, which hadn't been a thing before, and like created this Instagram, YouTube video career path for herself by sheer force of personality? Yes,
1: millennials yeah you you just gotta hustle right
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no those books are basically about being a millennial out for a hustle and also about female friendship and things so if you yeah i definitely recommend sarah kuhn's heroin complex series there's about four or five in the series now i haven't read all of them
0: but it's also interesting because one of the things about midoriya izuku in um in boku no hero academia is that so this is a world where people have superpowers Mm -hmm. almost everybody has a superpower But when he was a kid, Izuku finds out that he doesn't. He's never gonna have one. And Mm. so he wants to be a hero, but he doesn't have a power Uh, until in the anime, his favorite hero gives him a power, which nobody knew that he could do. And Mm -hmm. so you had this kid who grew up watching the heroes, loving the heroes, analyzing the heroes, being a big like hero fanboy, Mm -hmm. And suddenly now he's becoming a hero himself, which nobody ever thought that he could do. And that transition is very interesting, because a lot of this fic takes place at kind of Comic-Con for heroes. Yeah. right. Mm. And so you have Izuku wandering around, trying to buy the figurines, like trying to go incognito, super excited about being a fan. And everyone's like, wait, but you're Deku. You're a professional hero.
2: Go be up on stage. That's a mood, though. Mm, and I think you're right. And it's about people have moved him from... Mm-hmm non-hero into the hero box in the head and they there is a separate box to being a fan of heroes and a lot of interesting celebrity stuff does happen in spaces where people began on one side of the you know divide per se even if the divide itself is pretty artificial mm-hmm. and I think we've all experienced that a little bit in <laughs> science fiction and fantasy <laughs> um, Just like the, <laughs> the, the sff fandom is huge and most of the people who are considered to be you know figures in it so the writers the creators the Mm -hmm. artists once were fans right
0: Mm -hmm. otherwise why would you do it
2: how the culture is um and i have found that quite interesting being at conventions since i've started you know being even recognizable in a very small way Mm -hmm. you're there as a fan you want to see the people that you are a fan of but then suddenly you're also friends with some of the people that you are a fan of Mm -hmm. and you're also on panels but then you're leaving the panel you were just on to go and watch a panel and everything's a bit muddy in terms yeah. of what your identity is in that space.
1: Yes, yes. And like, even if you don't, even if you're not friends with them, like, do they know who you are? Do you, like, you're aware of them? Are they aware of you? Your colleagues in the same space? Yeah, it gets, like you said, very muddy right. and weird.
0: Because you don't mm. want to be the kind of arrogant where you assume that they do. But also there's this thing where it's easy to assume that you have less power than you do. Mm -hmm. Um, and that Mm -hmm. you can't cause harm because you still feel small yourself right Right. You, you feel like you're you haven't changed since you were just a fan listening along but people are listening to you too now and so I think that's something we've all been figuring out how to navigate over the past few years
1: yeah and also the way it it also becomes easier from the other side like it's not just about personal responsibility it's also that this this person who's a member of your audience is like very invested in you and so it like anything you do becomes sort of disproportionately well
0: i think that this is also coming back to um this fic right where izuku is kind of nervous that his boyfriend might be upset that he hasn't acknowledged him publicly the boyfriend is just a troll The boyfriend is fine. The boyfriend's fine. The boyfriend's doing fine. (laughs) But I think this is a thing that Rage Proof Rock does, right?
2: Yes. That was my dot point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's why I'm leaving it for you.
2: (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, I wrote wrote down the Rage Proof Rock fame as it intersects with anxiety and romance. (laughs) Fanfic trifecta. (laughs) Because I was thinking of, as you mentioned, Macy, drastically redefining protocol, which is about somebody who's not at all famous being thrust into the uh, public eye because of a relationship with royalty hey, 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 and lost. the Yuri on Ice fic that is about Yuri being both anxious and dealing with his status yep. as a sports celebrity uh-huh. and his and then how that intersects with well mostly his sex life but also his relationship <laughs> with Victor.
0: Oh man I do like that intersection. Pooh writes good fic. Mm. Pooh writes really good yeah. fic. That's Poo just a thing. really good fic.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One thing's in this think that stood out to me as well about that idea of who you are in a fan space mm-hmm. was the fact that because these people have agents and they have to appear on these panels and answer the same questions is that they are using it to further their career mm-hmm. like they have mm-hmm. to be in the space not just to give something back to the fans but because it's part of their I'm assuming contractual obligations mm-hmm. and like that's how you maintain your career is by doing self-marketing <laughs> in these fan spaces. and that's something that again has struck me as interesting now that if If you are a writer trying to sell books, Mm. which you know that's what you're doing, you're wandering around a convention with your name tag on. You want to be able to take part in not necessarily fully anonymous, but like low key, we're all fans together conversations. But at the same time, you are constantly a walking marketing machine (laughs) for yourself, and you're always trying to work out how to do that without being completely insufferable, but also being aware that that is one of the reasons why you are there.
0: Yes. Fine, I'm just going to have too many names for any of them to stick, and it'll be great. Uh, my name tag reads Jennifer. <laughs> you can Jennifer. have five name My name tags tag reads Jennifer. Me. Nobody remembers that that's this version of Macy, right? Like, everyone's no. confused. It's great.
2: But, so, that, so that's your alter ego, that you, you you just have a big Jennifer when you yeah. want to wander around being incognito. Who
0: is Macy? I am, reads name tag badly, Feniger. Anyway, <laughs> we are more than halfway through the episode. Shall we taxonomize some celebrities? Sure, Ooh, let's yes. taxonomize some we celebrities. We kind of started this already, but... Uh, yeah. So I think that the first kind of celebrity that I have, that I was thinking of here, is the one what did this on purpose, right? Mm. The idol, yep. the actor, the singer, the performer, who is a celebrity, 500%. That's what they're in it for. Yes. Mm.
2: Or even people who become famous just for being famous. like Paris Hilton? Before Paris Hilton kardashians and things like that even before you are considered to be an entertainment figure just famous because celebrity is the goal
0: well yes Mm. i mean i almost feel like those are being um performers it's just the thing that they are performing is their life right it's like instagram influencers yeah
2: and they're not doing it because they want to be celebrated as a great singer or a great actor They're doing it to become famous.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. Another kind of uh, celebrity, and I think maybe, I'm not sure if Instagram influencer would fit into the previous category or into this one. I think it depends on like the context. Mm. Um, But uh, this type is the viral sensation. So maybe it is a little bit more accidental sort of like you you write a twitter thread or like you post a a picture and suddenly it just or a funny joke and suddenly it just blows up inexplicably and it's not something that can really be replicated per se it's entirely based on uh the luck of the moment and the zeitgeist and kind of how many people were online at the time (laughs) uh and and all of that
0: like cop for some reason twitter why is carp on twitter yesterday. i
2: don't know nobody
0: can explain somebody paid a marketing oh, it's, budget it's and... something
2: to do with like somebody discovered a way to use a marketing tool that twitter had developed to basically absurdist shitpost with yeah, amazing and
0: like auto-generated carp photographs and they were all different and sometimes they randomly changed out from under you and it's baffling and dadaist and i don't know what is happening with this year and i'm done
1: Basically, like, I was off Twitter for, like, five entire minutes and then I look back at it and, like, (laughs) Carp is going viral and I'm like, what happened?
2: Yeah. Well, I think the point of this particular type of character, if we're going to taxonomize Mm -hmm. it, is, yes, accidental and often, if not always, unwelcome. Mm. Yes. Like, I think if you are trying to go viral, then you're doing it because you want to be – you're doing it for some sort of deliberate reason, whereas this kind of accidental celebrity – like April in the, the book is a different type of character and a different type of story that you're telling. Yeah. Well,
0: and I think that we haven't talked about much at all this episode so far from the perspective of storytelling. And so I think that's a great point to bring up, Freya, which is I think that what you tend to see a lot of is a romance arc that pairs this type with one of the uh, famous by choice types. Mm. Um, yeah. right? Or famous by mm. nature types. Um, because then you yeah. have that uh, nice set of conflicts, kind of ready built for you, right? Yeah. The this is this is again, it's drastically redefining protocol um, with the "I am just a nurse on the ward." Oh no, the prince got locked in a cupboard with me, <laughs> right? Right. And now the press knows mm. my name. Ugh. And and having
1: those two different kinds also allows you to sort of reflect them back on each other and like interrogate both things, um, right. like what does it mm. what does it mean to really be famous and like. Like, if you are raised famous, like, how does that change your perceptions of fame and your approaches towards fame?
2: Yeah. Hmm. And I think that can be a whole other dot point, then. That the type of character is someone who is famous just by the nature of existing. Mm-hmm. So you are born famous, right. like the royal family. And that's less to do with famous by choice, because you don't really right. get a choice in that. All you can choose is how you manage that celebrity.
0: right? And I think that, for example, you were Dolly Parton at the beginning of this, right, Freya? It was Dolly Parton has a husband who nobody knows about and she doesn't like she will go out with different hair without the makeup with him and nobody will recognize her because that's the choice that they've made to not have him have to become celebrity just by existing in proximity to her yeah yeah and Mm. I was thinking of what was the red white and royal blue Yes.
1: yes 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 yes
0: Is, is this, mm. where you have one of the characters being a celebrity for being born and the other being a celebrity because their parent becomes president.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And then another taxonomy is splort humans. Um, and I think there's probably other things and splorts that work this way, but where you just want to be really, really good at the thing you're working at. Uh, yeah. Maybe Greta Thunberg is another example. Um, and you become famous as a side effect of becoming really, really good at the thing you actually want to do.
2: Mm. Well, you, you mentioned Greta Thunberg, because I think there's also, you can almost subcategorize as you have to become famous to achieve the mm. thing that you want to achieve, but you're not interested in it from an individual perspective. Mm. Mm-hmm it's a, you know becoming a celebrity and then drawing attention to a cause yeah. yeah
1: that makes yeah. sense i might i might categorize uh, greta thunberg as the next dot point which is oh. you you've written it as politicians but i think political figures might be a little bit more on the nose mm. um okay. because because she is taking like she is becoming famous for the political purpose of uh, drawing attention to climate change right that's mm. her political stance or or people who uh, or the person who I was at the beginning of the the episode, AOC, who ran for office and kind of went viral and became popular on the internet because she's amazing and she knows how to use social media mm-hmm. and she's a relatable millennial and all of that stuff. but but the two of them definitely like, like they became famous for a purpose that's greater mm-hmm. than them mm-hmm. Be- because it's not it's not the focus on them as the individual for their fame it's them as kind of like the avatar for the bigger thing
0: well let's mm. talk about that next then because moving on from taxonomies uh, we wanted to, I wanted to ask whether hmm, to what degree does tabloid and internet culture today underpin what it means to be a celebrity can one call Captain Flint from Black Sails a celebrity Freya
2: in the time that he is alive or afterwards? Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. Because I think if you're assuming that he... See, if... all right, I'm going to put him up against um, Captain Jack Sparrow. Mm. Okay. Who, Whose famous line is, you know, you're the worst pirate I've ever heard of, but, but you, you have heard, heard it of me. me. Yes. So he is a celebrity in his day, mm. whereas the whole point of Flint is control of the narrative that he is going to leave behind him. Oh,
0: fascinating. Okay, Mm. so he is about legacy. Like,
2: he is known among the pirates at the time, but I wouldn't call him a celebrity. I would say that he is possibly unwillingly and partially deliberately constructing his own legend. Right,
0: right. I guess that was the question I put somewhere. Yes, what is the difference between being a celebrity Mm. and being a legend?
2: I would say it's to do with... Uh, le- legacy okay
0: I think so too yeah and I almost feel like um when you are a legend there is almost a more streamlined story was when you're a celebrity it's messy as fuck yeah yeah mm. and I right. don't
1: I don't know that a living person can ever quite be a legend maybe there's maybe there's a couple examples but they're all dead right now
0: well like Chuck Norris right like he's not a celebrity he's a story
1: he is kind of a story. Mm. He is kind you of a story. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's this moment of like, um, is the word apotheosis? I think so. Like, um, where like you kind of become bigger than you are. Like you become a god and <laughs> you are, you mm. no longer represent yourself. You represent, like you said, Macy, a story.
2: Yeah, well, this whole thing has become really interesting to me in the last couple of weeks because I've been listening to the episodes of a podcast called "You're Wrong About," mm. Mm. and they did a four-part series on Princess Diana's life and legacy. Mm. And I was coming up is from a perspective of knowing very little about Princess Diana, apart mm. from oh, yep, she did a lot of charity work with landmines and AIDS. She was considered the people's princess; everybody loved her. Um, she got divorced from Prince Charles and then died. Not not long afterwards and everyone talks about how the paparazzi hounded her throughout her life and, you know, made mm-hmm. her life mm-hmm. miserable. And that was the extent of my knowledge. And this is an absolutely fascinating deep dive into her life based on them having read a few different um, official and unofficial biographies to get um, background and mm-hmm. watch some interviews. Doing historiography and clips, yeah. yeah, doing historiography of it to get a sense of the extent to which this idea of the tabloids and being in the pri- the public eye and having to exist as a princess right. shaped her life and shaped her misery. Mm,
0: right. Which like I think... is
2: absolutely fascinating.
0: It's also fascinating how um, her youngest son and wife decided that they refused to do that and took themselves out of that space. I don't know if you guys have been following that. A little bit. A little bit, mm, yes.
2: Yeah. And one of the things that one of the presenters, Michael Hobbs, said was being a celebrity is like currency if everyone believes in it, then it's true about why you cannot actually resign from celebrity. Like you can resign from a job because once it hits a certain point, you are known. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, and what Harry and Meghan are trying to do, I think is resign to the extent that they can. Right. From this idea of, from the celebrity that he was born into. Right. Uh, But, but to a certain extent they can't. Like, you can't just be like, suddenly everyone forget my face and name. It's not going to happen. Yeah,
1: the only, the only way that they would be able to do that is if they chose to, like, go in a, and live in a cabin in the woods and never speak to other humans again. Like, completely removing themselves from the social sphere.
2: Mm, but this talks about, like, Diana's relationship with the press and how she would sort of leak some things and conceal others and how the book that came out about her within her lifetime, she actually did all of these interviews. But then when it came out, she had to pretend that she had nothing to do with it, that he got the information through other sources because for the Royals, leaking information and breaking that privacy shell was the ultimate sin. Yes, And that's basically what led to her and Charles being divorced is that both of them started to, use the press in strategic ways to leak information about the other person's affairs and the ways in which they had been made making each other miserable in order to basically get to a point where they had to divorce because otherwise they weren't allowed because it's royalty.
0: Right. Right. Well, and I mean, the British tabloid is, is horrifying the, the, the ways that they behave Mm. and the things that they do. Um, And there is a very real sense of entitlement towards information about celebrities, a feeling Mm. that, You are not um, imposing, that's not the word I mean, help, where is my word? Harassing? No. Anyway, there's this really, there's this real feeling that celebrities aren't people, that you're not doing them harm, Mm. or that the harm you're doing them doesn't matter because it's owed. And this is actually making me think a little bit about the journalist character from the show Hannibal, which is hilarious, because Hannibal Lecter, you probably should invade his privacy. Like, I'm just Probably. saying, yeah. like, fewer people would be turned bodies. into mushrooms if you were invading his privacy a little bit more effectively, Will. <laughs> uh, but there's a character there who's very much a tabloid journalist and who behaves in these ways. Um, and that celebrities surrender the right to privacy, which is mm. kind of a gross thought. Yes. Mm, and
2: especially for something like the royal family where they literally don't get a choice. And yeah, and I think that's why when you have the kind of celebrity where you have deliberately chosen to be one, like actors and performers, you have to do a lot more active management because to a certain extent you are agreeing to make yourself available for information to be spread about you and it's about where those lines are drawn and which part you agree to and which parts you don't agree to
0: and i think we see this a lot in rpf particularly actor rpf around having a queer relationship in this day and age where it's sometimes okay and sometimes not okay but we are heading towards the last 10 minutes of the show and i wanted to talk a little bit more about i guess this is kind of the greta thunberg topic again about celebrity and power Mm. and the thing that made me think of this right is the invasion of privacy is the price that you pay but what are you buying with that price Mm. and this made me think of Katniss Everdeen
1: oh yes 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 the mockingjay
0: she isn't Katniss anymore she's the mockingjay and what power has she bought with the invasion of her privacy Right.
1: And the thing that really struck me the first time that I I read those books was how readily like she doesn't have much of an experience with celebrity culture, right? right? Like she she lives out in the the rural side of of the nation and there's probably some that trickles down but she's very removed from it but when she gets to the capital like they tell her like okay here's what you have to do and they're not expecting much of her right. but she immediately identifies it as a tool that she can use well, I and think Peter she, does a little bit more so but yeah
0: they're both of them mm.
1: yeah yeah oh yeah Peter does it Pe- Peter does it even more um but she still complies and she is she recognizes like oh this is a valuable thing that I can use to my advantage mm-hmm. Um um, and that's, I think, the only reason why she does it, because she doesn't see a attraction in it. She doesn't really want her, her privacy. Mm. But um, it's because
2: there's no point, the only point, the only use it, sorry, let me start at the beginning. <laughs> the only use it really has for her is survival.
0: Right. And yes. And that's why yes, she yes.
2: begins to play the game when they are in the arena uh, playing up this romance right. that is being faked, because that is literally the only way they are going to get help. Right. And in the end, it's the only way that she can allow both herself and Peter to survive is because she has deliberately forced them into celebrity by acting in a way that is against her nature because it's the only tool she has.
0: And I'm thinking even more so as the next books go on, right? And as she becomes this figurehead for the war and for the propaganda Mm. with the wedding um, and how she kind of turns that on its head. But it made me think a little bit about um, a celebrity as the liege and the worshipful public. Right, and what is the duty Alex that is happy. owed? Alex's enrichment pumpkin. I told you, I give you each an enrichment pumpkin, and this one is So for we Just Alice. drop
2: the word "liege" into the conversation, like it, like the pumpkin into the enclosure. <laughs> the word "liege." This is for you. No, but it kind of is, right? It's like the the,
0: the fealty. What is the duty owed? What do you owe the audience? What mm. does the audience owe you? Yes,
1: yes. And how do, like, how can we do this in an ethical and fair mm. way? Like, is it, po- is it even possible for the state of fealty to be ethical ever? And like, really, the and I have a whole book coming out about this, dear listeners, <laughs> A Taste of Golden Iron, look for it in 2022. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, like when you have that much power because like like as we were talking about with Katniss like celebrity is a kind of power and when you have power over another person Mm. you do have to be very conscious of of how you use it and what like like you said Macy what do you owe to them what do they owe to you and depending on the situation and the context that is going to be very different it's also going to change over time probably like what you owe someone today might not be what you owe them a year from now because your type of celebrity may have changed or your level of celebrity
0: well and it's also interesting because can you owe on a contract that you didn't consent Mm. to yes um and you kind of can yeah Yeah, like you kind of can um because you have a a degree of power But it's very tricky, mm, and there's often this <laughs>
2: like unspoken morality clause mm. uh, in the relationship mm. that you have with your fans, and you know you see all the people things come out about people, things that they've said in the past or things that they've mm-hmm. done, and people go, oh, well, you know, I, they feel disappointed in this person that they've yeah. never met and will never meet because they had lifted them up as a celebrity worship object, yeah. and gone, oh, yes. well, now I have discovered something to this person's detriment you know, that has ruined the relationship that we had, even though there was no, there relationship, was no relationship there. no relationship.
0: Yeah, of oh, parasocial well, And also, it makes me think a little bit, there was this big thing in hockey fandom a while back where yes. uh, a, a, I'm going to use the word character because we're talking about brief, Macy's brief RPF corner. Um, so there was, there was a character, a hockey player, who I'm not going to name because I'm not going to go into that, um, who the fandom had been casting as a lovable rogue Mm-hmm. in a bunch of fics based on interviews and general behaviour. And they found out that he was less a uh, talkable rogue and more absolute trash bag, Ooh, yes. a bad human being. And a lot of hockey fic got deleted or locked to the archive uh, and a lot of people were kind of very upset about this. Um, and that's, you know, one of the risks when you're not working with characters, you're working with people. And so that's, that's a hard thing to navigate. Mm, I was sort um, of
2: semi- I sort of had one foot in hockey fandom at that point, and it was interesting. People oh, yeah. had to have these discussions about, is this something that we can just decide to ignore in terms of right. the canon of this character? Like, everyone right. who in that fandom is very aware that you're not doing anything that really has a relationship to the real people. But at right. the same time, your canon is what you know about them, and what they have chosen to, chosen to show you about themselves. And so people had to say, look, will we ignore this and build the character in a different direction? Or is this something that we actually can't ignore, feel really weird about writing now, you know, adorable romantic stories about this person? And eventually I think the decision was made, right, let's just find some other people to write about. Like there was a very, very, very popular pairing, very very popular um, person to write about. And the fandom as a whole just went, "Nope, this isn't something that we can put under the carpet. We're going to turn in a different direction.
1: Yeah, I had a I had a question about relating to power linking back to one of our tent poles, actually, Mm, which mm -hmm. um, very, very, very small, tiny spoiler, not for any plot things, but to do with a spoiler alert. Ironically, I'm giving you a spoiler (laughs) warning for spoiler alert. Right at the very end of the book, the author of the books that the TV show was based on sends an email to one of the main characters Mm -hmm. complimenting his fan fiction. And that was the thing that kind of made me raise my eyes. Because I'm like, you, you sir are an author. You actually have no call to be reading. I mean, I was like, okay, maybe it's (laughs) different because it's, he's reading fanfic of the TV show rather than of his books. I don't know. I don't know. But at the same time, like, like that's a boundary that you're crossing like that's a the fanfic (laughs) is a fan space Mm. and you need to like step back and respect
2: that it worked in the context of the book because the book is a wish fulfillment fantasy about that's true about instinct for narrative the whole point of it is people writing fanfic because they think that this is what is actually in keeping with the characters this is the kind of story that serves these characters well and the point of that email is to provide validation for that perspective to say, yes, the original originator of these characters agrees (laughs) that I'm writing the characters better than the TV (laughs) shows. the
0: ghost of Virgil will visit you in the night and bless you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so no, I absolutely agree that real life authors have no business reading real fan fiction of their works while there's any chance of like an ongoing series. But in the book, I think it worked as a, a validation point.
0: Mm, mm, that is fair well i see that we have a dot point down here about an endearingly awkward british film oh
2: yes i think we talked a little bit about about notting hill romances as we've gone through like Mm. we mentioned about red white and royal blue being about uh romance in the public eye and two people who were already famous having to navigate their relationship as a third party in in, in the uh in the public eye but I want to talk very briefly about Notting Hill which I think is a very clear distillation of celebrity romance with a normie person who is not famous. Who is the
0: boy for once.
2: Yes yes so it's about a very normal non-famous person and an extremely famous person and that's a very very tropey setup there's so much you can do with that and it's always going to be about this the tension of privacy and what which, <laughs> which parts of your life are you, you keep secret and as you mentioned before when we were discussing this when you agree to date somebody that famous it has you have to go mm-hmm. into it with your eyes open like even if you love one another and are attracted to one another and everything else about the relationship seems perfect the fame is always going to be there it's not something yep. that you can say oh well I, i'll take everything else about them but i won't take this Mm-hmm. And and yep. all of the tension arises because neither of them are quite aware of what that what that's going to mean.
0: Well, and it's the the song that the the title comes from, right? Uh, I want to live forever. Oh yes, baby, remember my name. <laughs> baby,
2: remember my name, fame Alex, I can't believe you didn't know that. I want to live forever. <laughs> it's just I want to shine well, like a we'll, star. We'll send you a video, and it will get stuck in your head all day.
0: <laughs> oh, good. It's fame. from the the, oh, very good. the
2: musical, which is literally called. Fame, exclamation fame.
1: mark. And see, okay, I realize this is the end of the episode. We still have another minute or so, but like you mentioned like a song that will get stuck in your head forever. And immediately I start thinking of Yaskear from The Witcher. And like, that's a kind of fame too. Um, we don't really have time to dig into it, but thoughts?
0: <laughs> I I don't think that composers or songsmiths are famous in the same way because people, okay, 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 okay. Here is my argument. Um, celebrity is what happens when people start caring more about you as a person and character than about your product. Yes, mm. yes, yes, yes. I agree. Yes, yes. Okay. And this is why Taylor Swift is a celebrity. Even if you love her songs, the narrative of her going away to a cabin and coming up with these wild new albums with all of these collaborator partners is a story about her as a person it's not about the songs mm. um and she's a celebrity whereas because it,
2: even if you've never heard any of her music or even if you hate it right you know who she is
0: yeah but it's all but with Yaskir, it's the songs that matter and people knowing that he traveled with Geralt isn't the point
1: and and he's he's not doing celebrity to make himself famous he's doing celebrity Well, maybe a little bit. I think he is quite well known by the end. He's trying to make Geralt
0: into a legend, not a celebrity. Fair point.
1: Very fair point. I concede.
0: Hey everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely, extremely deep literary merit. I'm recording... This outro on January 8th, and finding it hard, in the aftermath of a violent white supremacist coup attempt on the United States Capitol, to be charming or witty about the power of celebrity. For some reason. It is shockingly easy for the cult of celebrity to turn their fans to vile causes, which is just another reminder of how important it is for each of us to take a good hard look at our own morals and values rather than blithely accepting those handed to us, either by our childhoods or by figures of power. But I believe we can and must perform that assessment, now more than ever, dear listeners. Know what you hold true, and stand up for those with less power than you. But time marches on. We have some hopefully less topical topics to talk about in upcoming episodes, on the next episode, two weeks hence on January 27th, we'll be discussing new media. If you want to prepare in advance, one of the tentpoles for that episode is the interactive fiction game Stay by E.J. Lomax. So if you have a friend who's into stuff like that, maybe give them a heads up. In the meantime, feel free to continue the conversation with us. Questions, comments, breathless adulations... Contact us at serpentcast at gmail.com, at SerpentCast on Twitter and Tumblr, and if you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. And by the way, I think you'd handle fame with grace if you had to. You'd figure it out.